Hey, when you were a kid, did you ever try to get out of doing your homework by using the dog ate my homework excuse? Anybody actually try that one? Okay, a few of you guys did. You were dumb enough to give it a go. I knew, I knew that that excuse would not work to get me out of math homework. You guys have to understand, I dominated school when it came to English. I just crushed it. But math, I was one of the worst kids in the class. And so I always hated having to do math homework. And I was constantly looking for excuses and ways to get out of doing my homework. Now, if your kids are here, I'm about to give them an excuse that might be the most brilliant excuse they could ever hear. So if you don't want them to try to use this, you might want to cover their ears, okay? One night I was at home and I was doing my math homework. We had about 30 problems to do on a worksheet. This was grade four, maybe grade five, something like that. And I'm doing the math homework and I just hate it. I'm frustrated. I don't want to go and keep doing it, you know, finish the worksheet. And so I get about seven problems in. And the way I used to do my homework was laying on my bedroom floor and I'd have a textbook and the worksheet on top and I'd be working it out. And we had a cat named Socks. And as I got to about the seventh problem, this cat named Socks wandered into my room. And while I'm laying there, Socks does what cats do, starts, you know, pawing at the paper a little bit. And I was like, get out of here, cat. I'm trying to work. I'm already frustrated, you know. And then it occurs to me, all right, wait a sec. Maybe I could use this. Maybe I could get out of doing the rest of this homework if I kind of throw socks under the bus. So what I did was I got socks. I chased it down because I kicked it out of my room. So I went and got the cat. I brought it back. And I was like, if I made it look like the cat shredded the worksheet and the cat just shredded the worksheet at problem seven and below, right? Like where I had done some work, I could bring it in. And I'm like, look, Miss Smith, I did the homework. And this morning I woke up and the cat had shredded all of it. What are you going to do? And so I thought, this is brilliant. I grab the cat. I take its paw, you know, I push down on its paw. So its claws go like that. And I start like, socks did not like this. Socks got mad at me for forcing it to, uh, you know, try to get me out of my homework. And so the cat, like, before I knew it, hissed and like clawed me and took off running. And I was like, oh, dang, this didn't work. Now I've got a piece of paper that's somewhat clawed up, but it's not going to get me out of homework. And so I was like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And there was a paperclip laying on a desk in my room. I was like, oh, let's take the paperclip. So I unfolded it, made a little fake cat claw out of it. And sure enough, man, I spent probably 20 minutes shredding that stupid piece of paper. So it was just perfect so that it looked like I did the whole thing, but actually hadn't finished it at all. Next day, I bring it in. I put on the sad face. I go up to Mrs. Smith and uh, I'm like, look, this is what happened. My cat ate my homework, you know, and in my mind, I don't know why, but I thought this would work. I thought it was so much more clever than the dog ate my homework. And so I gave it to her, expecting her to say, oh, well, you know, you did the work and what are you going to do? The cat tore it up. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Of course, that's not how it went down. She looked at it, looked at me, looked at it, looked at me. And she was like, okay, here's a clean sheet. Go ahead and redo it and bring it back tomorrow. And I was like, what? And she was like, well, you still have to finish the homework. And I'm like, no, lady, you don't understand. I did the homework and the, cla- the cat clawed it up. And she was like, nope, nope, nope. We're not falling for that. You need to turn in a totally completed sheet. She took the other, like the little strip with seven answers that I had already done. She tore it up into little pieces and threw it into the garbage. So when it was all said and done, 
I had to go back and do more work than I would have done if I had just done the homework in the first place. Instead of doing 30 problems, I ended up doing 37 problems. It was like I became a parody of excuses, right? I ended up working harder than I would have if I had not been lazy and just done the homework in the first place. Now, I know you guys are like not stupid like me. You never did anything so silly. You're not a lazy person. You don't make excuses in your life. None of that is true of you. But this morning, as we move into the fourth week of our Tweetable Truth series, we're looking at the book of Proverbs, and we're taking these very short verses from the Bible these wisdom sayings and sentences, and we're reading what God has to say about living as a wise person in our world. And we're looking at applying these things to our lives. And in the chapter that we're going to be reading this morning, Proverbs actually paints a picture of laziness that can only be described as a parody or as satire. It's like these verses where um, God talks about people who are not living wisely, people who are making excuses and living living sort of a a lazy sort of life, it's over the top. It's kind of even silly. Like the whole point of these verses is to make you laugh a bit. It's to make you chuckle. It's to make you lower your defenses so that we can ask ourselves the question, all right, I'm not a lazy person. No, that's certainly not true. But is there anything about these verses that actually does apply to my life? Is there anywhere in which I might be doing something unwise and these verses would speak to that? So the the goofiness of these three verses that we're going to read this morning are actually meant to disarm you. And I don't want you to get hung up because it's going to talk about a lazy person and it's going to describe a lazy person in each of these three verses. And I don't want you to get hung up on that word lazy either because it seems very blunt and direct or because you think to yourself automatically, oh, I work 60 hours a week. There's no way I'm lazy. You are not a lazy person. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. But there are probably some areas in your life where these verses will apply, all right? So just lower the defenses a bit. Let's see what the scripture has to say. Proverbs, let's turn there. Chapter number 26. We're gonna read all three verses together and then we're gonna go through and we'll break them down, okay? Proverbs chapter number 26, verse 13, the scripture says this, the lazy person claims there's a lion in the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion just outside my door. Verse 14 says, as a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Some of you guys are elbowing your teenagers. Don't do that, okay? That's mean. Verse 15 says, lazy people take food in their hand but don't even lift it to their mouth. Oh, all right. Three verses that describe a lazy person. Three verses that I think, I don't know, I'll just speak about me for a sec. They apply to my life really well, despite the fact that I don't consider myself a lazy person. But I find myself doing some things that these verses speak to. So let's break it down. Let's look at the first one here for a second. Uh, Proverbs chapter 26, verse 13. It tells us the lazy person says, there is a lion on the road. I'm sure there's a lion out there. Do you know what this is? This is an excuse. See, the, the idea or the picture here is like a kid that's about to go to school for the day and they're thinking up all the reasons why they shouldn't leave the house, why they don't have to go catch the bus and go to school. 
This is the picture of somebody who's like, oh man, my shift at work starts in like 30 minutes and I know I need to leave right now, but I'm trying to think of any reason under the sun why I might not have to go to work today. This is somebody who's making an excuse to get out of doing things that they don't want to do. Now, in ancient Israel, there were actually lions in that part of the world. Today, lions are limited, right, to India and to Africa. But in the ancient Middle East, there were lions that were around in the same way that there are bears generally in the area here in Calgary, all right? But it's not like there were lions just walking through the street every single day. It's not like a kid had to really be afraid that they were going to get attacked by a lion. This was an excuse. And it wasn't even a very good excuse. This is the equivalent. This is the biblical equivalent of the cat ate my homework, all right? This is like silly. It's nutty. Nobody would believe that there's a lion at the bus stop and so the kids can't go to school or there's a lion in the front yard just waiting to gobble you up as you go to work. This is an over-the-top, silly excuse designed to get somebody out of something that they don't want to do. And we know that because the scripture actually says that the lazy person claims there's a lion in the road. It's not like they're like, I looked out the window and there is a lion. You go see for yourself. No, they're claiming there's a lion somewhere out there. And we know that this is just an excuse because of the way they phrase that last sentence where they're like, no, I'm sure of it. There, there is, just trust me on this one. There's a lion somewhere out there. Now, look, I doubt that any of you have used this excuse in the last couple of weeks, all right? You probably didn't call your boss and say, hey, boss, sorry, I can't come in today because there's a bear roaming my neighborhood and I'm just real concerned that I'd run into that grizzly when I went to my car at the end of the driveway. Not gonna be able to make it in today. I doubt that you used such an over-the-top, silly, ridiculous excuse to get out of something this week. But if we're honest... I bet we did use some excuses to get out of things we didn't want to do, didn't we? I know that's true of my life. I've come up with reasons why I can't or reasons why I won't be able to. And I've made up excuses to get out of things in my life. And some of my excuses are really bad, like the cat ate my homework, or you know, um, maybe yours isn't quite as bad. You just call the boss and you use something very generic where you're like, sorry, boss, I can't come in today. I've got a family emergency, right? You know your boss knows that that is not legit, okay? That's the easy thing to use. We make up excuses excuses like that. We say, oh, you know, I totally sent that email. I don't know why you didn't get it. There must have been a glitch in the server or something like that. It's an excuse to cover up for something that we didn't end up doing. Uh, we say things to ourselves like, yeah, you know, I know I should talk to her. I should have a conversation about something, whatever it is that's going on. And yet we say to ourselves like, oh, the timing's just never right. We're never able to work this out. You know, it didn't come up organically. And so I'm not able to talk to her even though I know that I should. We don't come up with these over-the-top, crazy, ridiculous, grade four excuses. But let's be real. We do come up with excuses every single day to try to get out of things that we don't want to do. Now, if this is true in our relational lives, if it's true in our work lives, social lives, whatever, it's more true in our spiritual lives than anywhere else. 
We are more prone to make excuses to get out of the things that God has called us to do than in any other arena of our lives. And so we make up excuses and we say things like, oh God, you know, I I know I should spend some time in prayer with you each day, but I just don't have time in my calendar. There is no extra minutes in my day. There is no opportunity at all for me to have any sort of quiet time or devotional life. I just can't do it. I would, gosh, I wish I could, God, but I can't make it happen right now. And in truth, that's a bit of an excuse because we all have time for what we make time for, right? We, we could make time for it. We just choose not to. Instead, we default to excuses. Um, you might say like, yeah, I've thought about joining the dream team here at Connect, but I don't really think I have any skills that you guys would need. There's just nothing really special about me. It doesn't seem like my capabilities would fit really well. And so, sorry, I just don't think uh, I would be of much help to you. I've had people who've said to me, hey, Dan, you know, I'd really like to contribute. I'd like to give maybe in the offering, not because we need the money or anything like that, but because you're like, I want to contribute. I want to help other people and I want to help make church happen. But I don't know, like the little bit that I can give, it's not going to make any difference. Like if I gave you a little bit, it is not going to change anything. The five or 10 or 20 bucks that I throw in in the plate is not going to make any difference at all. It's an excuse that we come up with to avoid some of the things that God has called us to do, right? Um, We say, oh God, I know I should talk to my coworker about Jesus, but I'm afraid if I bring it up with him, he's going to get angry and then things are going to be tense and it's going to be weird. And so maybe it's just best that I don't say anything at all. You and I are masters at coming up with excuses to justify the things that we don't want to do. If we're honest, We are very good salespeople. We are very good at convincing ourselves to not follow through on the things we know we should do or the things that God has called us to do. But can I remind you of something? Something that I really think we should take to heart. And I'm talking to myself here, not just you guys. Excuses cannot excuse you from God's call. Excuses cannot excuse you from God's call. You can come up with all the justifications in the world to say, I can't, or I shouldn't, or I'm not able to, or whatever. But in reality, every time we do that, what we're doing is we're coming up with some sort of rationale to cover up the fact that we simply don't want to. We need to be honest about that. When we come up with an excuse that says why you can't, why you won't, why you shouldn't, in reality, you're justifying the I just don't want to attitude. And I'm not saying this to step on your toes. I'm not saying this to give you a hard time. I'm certainly not saying this to guilt you into anything. But as we're gonna see here in just a moment as we work through the rest of these verses, the the call that God gives us is to move forward, to make progress, to see breakthroughs, to see accomplishments, to see him do bigger things than we could ever imagine. And we are not going to see that come to pass for as long as we continue to make excuses for the things that God has called us to do. The simple fact is, and I hope you'll receive this with love. I hope that you understand. I'm not trying to pick on you, but excuses can't excuse you from God's call. 
Now, you might be thinking to yourself, but Dan, aren't some excuses like some of them are just harmless? They're innocent. You know, it's not that big of a deal. And sometimes excuses can be good things, right? They can help save a relationship. Maybe they can blunt a truth a little bit. Like, isn't it a much better thing to say, oh, sorry, I can't come to your party. I wish I could, but I have something else going on. Isn't it better to make an excuse than to say, oh, I wish I could come to your party, but I don't want to. Like, wouldn't it be better to give the excuse than to be honest? I don't know, maybe. I I wouldn't recommend that. I think honesty is always a better policy, but hey, whatever. Um, Can I tell you, though, there is a risk to making too many excuses in your life. See, we look at them as innocent and, oh, I'm just trying to save that person's feelings. But what happens is over time, if we continue to tell ourselves untrue things, we make excuses to get out of things that we don't want to do. You and I are such good salespeople that eventually we will start to believe our excuses. You've seen that in your own life. You've certainly seen it in other people's lives. If we are not careful, we forget that words build worlds. And your words have the power to shape everything that happens throughout your day, week, and year. We forget that the book of Proverbs itself says in chapter number 18, verse 21, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. That the words that we say either to other people or to ourselves actually have the power to bring life or to bring death, to bring freedom or to bring burden, to move us forward or to hold us back. We think excuses don't matter. And yet God is trying to tell us, no, they matter a great deal. If you're not careful, you will start to believe the excuses that you tell yourself on a daily basis. And here's what happens. We move from what's a basically innocent, kind of lazy, oh, I just want to get out of something. And because over time we start to believe it as if it were true, we actually start to buy into irrational thought patterns. We actually start to believe there's a lion outside of my door. I can't go out there. It's too dangerous. I couldn't possibly step foot out today. Listen, if you tell yourself over and over every single day, I don't have time. I just don't have time. There's all of these things that are piling up and everybody's always asking me to do something and I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go crazy. Eventually you'll go crazy because your words build your world. The things that you tell yourself, you'll eventually buy into. Even what would normally be a very innocent and kind of simple excuse to get out of something, eventually you will start to buy it hook, line, and sinker, and you will believe it whether it's true or not. It becomes true because it's how you think about everything throughout the day. You will feel more pressure and stress. You will feel like everything is on your shoulders, and it all comes back to a simple excuse that you continue to tell yourself day in and day out. I just don't have any extra time for anything in my life. What ends up happening is you say like, oh yeah, I've thought about serving, but you know, they don't have any skills that I need. Over time, if you tell yourself that enough, you will move from, they don't have any skills I need. You will move into, I'm worthless. I don't have anything to offer anybody. I was at our youth group on Thursday night. It meets Thursday nights in Evanston, and there were nine or 10 students that were gathered around a living room, and I was just there to observe. I wasn't teaching or anything like that, and I was listening to the lesson, 
And the lesson was all about how we are called to love everybody equally without favoritism because that's how God loves us. God doesn't play favorites with anybody, and so we shouldn't play favorites with anybody either. But what was so fascinating to me was about halfway through that Bible study, halfway through that group discussion time, there was a switch that was flipped. And all of a sudden, the kids weren't asking, how do I love everybody equally? They were asking, how do I deal with the fact that I don't feel like people love me? And they had, they had taken a few words, you know, bullies at school had said them th- some things, which of course are stupid and untrue. You remember high school drama. And yet they had internalized them. The words that were being spoken in their life, they came to believe as true, and all of a sudden, they bought into it, and they were saying, I don't know that I could ever be cool or have friends or be loved by anybody. It was this crazy moment of transparency, and I'm like, that's exactly what this verse is talking about. We speak words, and then we come to believe them whether they're true or not. So you saying something like, I don't have any skills, will eventually become I'm worthless and have nothing to offer. When you say things like, listen, I can't talk to her about Jesus because she might get mad. If you continually tell yourself, every time I talk about Jesus, people are going to get mad, you'll start to believe that the world is hostile to the gospel, and there's no opportunity for you to share the love of God. All of that is untrue but you'll believe it as if it's true. And so you'll start to live as if it were true because your excuses become your reality. The person here in this verse, I, I, like, I wanna give them a hard time because it's silly and over the top, you know, it's an excuse. But in reality, this is somebody who believes it. They probably told themselves, the world is a, such a dangerous place, it's best if I stay in my bed. What ends up happening, you guys, is that we base our lives not on God's word, not on what the Bible says is true about us and our community and our world, but we start to base our lives on our fears and on our irrational perspectives. We live as if God's word was not true and our fears and perspective were the truth. That's why excuses are so dangerous. It's not that it's just innocent and, oh, you're getting out of something you don't want to do next Saturday. Over time, your excuses have the power to redefine your reality and you will fail to live life overflowing. You will fail to see God do all that he wants to do in your life because you continued to try to excuse your way out of God's calling. Let me challenge you to do this. Let me challenge you to take to heart this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse five. In the scripture, the Bible says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Hey, you say to yourself, I can't talk to my coworker about Jesus. They're gonna blow up and it's gonna strain the relationship. And yet Jesus says the fields are wide unto harvest. All we need is somebody to speak up about God's love. You have the opportunity then to say, which of these voices am I gonna believe is true? Don't believe the fear voice, believe the faith voice. Take that thought captive, make it obedient to what the scripture says is true, not to your fears and not to your excuses. You say to yourself, I've got nothing to offer. And yet the scripture says, 
says that God created you with unique talents and abilities, and the body is not complete until you join it, find your place in it, and use those gifts. You've got the opportunity. Which voice am I going to believe? Take that thought captive. Say to yourself, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to buy into the fear. I am going to trust what God says. I will make this obedient to Christ in my mind so that my excuses don't create a warped reality for me. All right, that's one verse. Let me move on to the next one. In, uh, in chapter uh, 26, verse number 14, the scripture says, and again, it's painting the picture of a lazy person here. Uh, As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. And to me, this is a great picture because I remember what it was like to be a teenager and not want to get out of bed. And you've certainly experienced this in your life where it's like the only movement you have is to roll over. That was enough for the day. Couldn't get out of bed. Couldn't muster the energy or the strength to do it. So on the face, this is kind of funny, but it's more than a sick biblical burn, you guys, okay? There is something deeper that's going on here in this particular passage. Proverbs is painting the picture of doors that are opening and closing. That is, opportunities that are coming and going while a lazy person or an unwise person just lets them pass. That is, that when we choose to stay in our bed, or as we'll see, what it really means is to stay in our comfort zone, There are going to be doors that open in our lives. And although we would say, oh, I'm not a lazy person, man. I'm constantly trying to move forward. I'm trying to go, 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 accomplish, do, do, do. But what happens is because in some areas we choose to remain in our comfort zone, there are opportunities that pass us by. There are doors that open and then doors that shut that don't get opened again. I mean, think about what getting up and going to work or going to school or going out into the world means every single day. It means movement. It means risk. It means work. It means sweat. It means the potential for profit. It means the potential for loss. It means you might make new friendships. You might find romance or you might have an awful day. Every time you get out of bed in the morning and you start your day, you are taking a risk. You are moving out of your comfort zone into the world. And yet the lazy person here refuses to move out of their comfort zone. They want to stay in bed. And in bed, they'll have comfort, but they can never have progress. They can, you know, do what's easy, but they'll never get beyond that. And so Proverbs warns us in this passage, we can't allow ourselves to stay in our comfort zones to stay where it's easy, to stay where we're used to being. Instead, we got to get up. We got to take steps of faith and we've got to walk through the doors that God opens for us on a daily basis. We are so quick to insulate ourselves from the risk and the trouble of the rest of the world. And so we stay right here where everything is safe and comfortable and well-defined and you know what's going to happen each and every day and we just remain. We fall into a rut and we fail to move forward in to the life that God wants us to have. I mean, it's like we don't choose to move 
we choose to stay. That's our natural. That's our default. When God calls us to take steps of faith, we're like, oh, I don't know, you know, all the details of the destination, the journey. So I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to stay here. When God calls us to sacrifice for the benefit of others, we're like, no, that's hard. I don't want to do that. I want to stay right here where I'm happy and all of my needs are being met. When God calls you to speak to somebody about his love for them, he doesn't want you to say, no, 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 I'm afraid of risking. I'm afraid of stepping out. Instead, he wants you to take that step and believe that he's going to meet you there in that moment where you need. Can I challenge you to take the words of Proverbs 26, 14 to heart? Don't live where it's comfortable. That's honestly a lazy way to approach life. Instead, choose to walk in faith each and every day, following wherever it is that God has called you to go and do whatever it is that God has called you to do. Don't settle for a marriage rut. Don't do what's easy. Do what's necessary. Don't settle for just coming and observing the service. No, jump in, get involved, get plugged in. Use your gifts and talents and abilities to make a difference in the other people's lives that are gonna be coming in the next few months to connect. Seriously, God wants you to take a step out, not to be afraid, not to stay where it's easy and comfortable, but to move beyond that so that you can accomplish something amazing in your life. Here's the truth. You can be comfortable or you can be courageous, but you can't be both. You can be comfortable or you can be courageous, but you cannot be both. You are gonna choose today whether you live according to courage and boldness and faith, or you're gonna go with what's easy and what's comfortable. And the book of Proverbs says, a lazy person will choose comfort over courage every single day, but they miss out on the awesome things that God wants to do through them because they won't metaphorically get out of bed. Let me read this last verse to you and we'll start to wrap this up. In, in verse number 15 of Proverbs chapter 26, we get this third description of a lazy person. And it says, a lazy person will take food in their hand, but they won't even lift it to their mouth. Now look, this is extreme hyperbole, okay? It's not like there's anybody that's so lazy that they refuse to lift a cheeseburger to their mouth. But the Bible is using this hyperbole, this rhetorical device to kind of get you to chuckle and to say, all right, maybe though, there are people who have a very hard time following through. This is me. I'm gonna be honest with you. This is like describing me. It's very easy for me to start a project. It's very hard for me to follow through. And the Bible says a lazy person has no trouble starting stuff, but man, do they have trouble following through. And my guess is I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one that says, you know, I'm gonna clean out the garage this Saturday. And 30 minutes in, I've straightened up a few things on the side and I'm like, mm, good enough. And I go upstairs and watch TV. I'm not the only one. You do the same thing, right? I know that this is true in your life. You know, you're, you're maybe one of those people that says, okay, I need to do something about my health. I'm gonna start a diet. And then you get going, you lose five pounds and you're like, oh, I've been so good. As a reward, I'm going to eat six pounds of sugar today, right? Trouble following through. No, don't quit. Keep going. Don't stop. Keep moving forward, right? This is like what happens when uh, a young person says, well, I got some college and some college is better than none college. So I guess that'll be enough. <laughs> Listen, bro, your grammar tells me you should not quit. You should keep going. We are so bad about following through in our lives. 
And if it's true in work, if it's true socially, if it's true at home, man, is it true spiritually as well? We're not great at following through on the things that God has called us to. It's like we'll invite our neighbor to come to church once, and we're like, okay, I invited them. The the invitation is there. They know they can come at any point. No, nobody says yes the first time you invite them to church. Nobody. So keep after it. Keep nicely, warmly. Don't be obnoxious or anything like that. But keep inviting. Keep extending that invitation. Keep pushing forward. Don't do it once, then give up and assume that it's accomplished. There are lots and lots of you guys. I love you. Curl your toes because I'm going to try to step on them for a sec. There are lots and lots of you guys that have done one week of next steps and there are two more to go and you keep putting it off. Man, November is your month. Jump in, get involved. Go ahead and finish that sucker out and then sign up and start serving on the dream team because you've left it undone to this point. Your, the, the, the work, the follow through on what God is calling you to is incomplete at this point. God calls us to go serve our neighbor And it's like, okay, I'll give them one hour on Saturday. And you're like, wow, I'm making such a difference in the world. No, God calls us to more than drive by good deeds, build a relationship, follow through on that thing, check in on them next Saturday and the next Saturday. As long as it takes for you to see God accomplish in them and through you what he's trying to do. A lazy person will start, but they won't finish. A lazy person will take a few steps and then be satisfied. But if you want to experience life over flowing. If you want to see God do big, miraculous, world-changing things through you, you've got to follow through. You've got to keep going until God says you're done. Too often, the things that God wants us to experience and the things that God wants us to accomplish are left incomplete. Okay, we talked about three verses this morning. And I've told you, this isn't just about like somebody who's lazy. This is about all of us. We're all lazy in some areas of our lives. We make excuses. We stay in our comfort zone and we don't finish the things that we start. Now you might think, okay, these are three verses that are basically describing the same thing slightly differently. But I think when you put them all together, what you actually get is a declaration. When you put these three Proverbs back to back to back, you know what I see? I see somebody saying, no excuses. I'm stepping out in faith and I'm gonna see this through. No excuses. Verse 13, lazy person says, there's a lion. I can't go outside today. No, that's an excuse. Lazy person says, I don't have time. I can't do it. No, that's an excuse. An unwise person says, oh, it might be weird or awkward, so I shouldn't. No, that's an excuse. And no more excuses. I'm stepping out in faith. I'm not gonna settle for what's easy. I'm not gonna settle for what's comfortable. I am going to do what God has called me to do. I'm gonna do the things that I know I should do at home, at work, in church, wherever it might be. I'm gonna step out and refuse to remain comfortable because I know I can't ever do something powerful and world-changing if I remain comfortable and to see it through, to finish it, to keep going. Don't give up to not be satisfied with good enough. I don't want to be good enough. I don't want our church to be good enough. Listen, you don't want to come here worship that's good enough. You don't want to hear preaching that's good enough. We don't want coffee that's good enough. Your boss doesn't want an employee that's good enough. Your wife doesn't want a husband that's good enough. No, we want to keep going. We want our lives to be a continual testimony of the fact that we are empowered by God to change the world. Stop 
halting, stop faltering, stop giving up, take a step, take a stand, and then follow through on it. Now, here's what's in my mind over the last week. There are a lot of people that I've been having conversations with lately. And it's like they're struggling, spiritually speaking. It's like, you know, Dan, I've been coming to church and I've been hearing about God's love for me. I've been hearing about his plan to help change the world through me and the rest of us together. And yet I can't, I just can't quite take that step. I'm struggling with the last little bit. Today is your day. Today is the day. No more excuses. I'm stepping out in faith and I'm gonna see this thing through. Because coming to church does not make you a follower of Jesus at all. You could serve on the dream team and that doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. You could be a nice lady at work. That doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus is someone who has taken the step across the line and said, I believe that Jesus died for me and that I can have new life through him. It is an official decision that you choose to make in your life. And there are too many that have left this undone. You've walked right up to the point of decision and then you're like, ah, I'm close enough. This is good, right? I've gone far enough. No, it's time to take that last step. It's time to walk across the line of faith. It's time to declare yourself for Jesus because Jesus declared himself for you. It's time to believe. You say, well, I don't have all the answers. That's an excuse. None of us have all the answers. I've got degrees in the Bible. Guess what, guys? I don't have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers to follow Jesus. You say, well, my life is kind of messy right now. You don't understand what my you know, relationships are like and I'm in transition. Who cares? And none of that matters. You don't have to have your life in order to give your heart to Jesus. All you have to do is say, I'm stepping out in faith and I'm gonna see this thing through. You don't have to live a mediocre life disconnected from God. You can have overflowing life through a relationship with God in Jesus.